This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast taking a look at the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Cheerful voices echoed up the leafy walls of the Mangaonua Esplanade, which previous to making this episode I didn't even know existed. It curves around the Mangaonua stream as it runs through Silverdale in Kirikiriroa Hamilton, deceptively close to the busy State Highway 26. The voices that I heard were those of volunteers working hard to nurture the whenua and make it more inhabitable for wildlife, particularly the pekapeka, native bats. The weather was a bit foreboding, so as Ho'oru Masters Brown trudged up the wall of the gully, he was well dressed in a jacket, heavy-duty gloves and gumboots. I'm a paid employee. I'm the restoration coordinator for Goeke, so I come under the umbrella, but the outcomes are met for the council, so I'm funded via the council. So for this role is mainly the is, is the council outcomes, as well as I do have other roles with Goeke, which is um, rangatahi uh, youth concept. MSD, which is working income, they have um, an issue which is 16 and up, and solo mothers 25 and down cannot get work, no experience, no reference, you know, it's a set up to fail. So you've got kids that are going to 100 interviews, all of a sudden their, their pride is shot because they can't get a job, then they're back on the grind, selling dope, whatever, back with corrections, inside, back out, looking at work and then come for steps to freedom and then back on that same catch-22. So so for Go Eco sort of thing, um, Go Eco's outcomes was, uh, yeah, so my role is pretty much, you know, we've, we've got the umbrella, I've got retail, got Kai Sorting, you know, got um, restoration, we've got community garden, seed bank, um, bike mechanics, all these things under our umbrella, but we don't have the money, MSD does, so it was the offer of, hey, I can help you, can, you know, I've got the resources, you've got the money, you can help each other. You know, instead of moaning that someone needs to set this up, we just need to get it done. And then, you know, government can catch up later, whatever. But it's about creating those resources and breaking down those barriers. Okay, we can put them through Kershaw, which is three months of uh, numeracy and literacy. So if these kids actually wanted to study, which is MIT, they don't have to do a one to two year foundation course just to be able to do a, be a builder. And as I studied electrical engineering, I watched kids walk out because that was a barrier. They were there to be a builder, not to learn English. So sort of you want to break that barrier down full while knowing they're going to step this way. Health and safety, grow safe out here. Uh, first aid, you know, that's a course paid for on a day's wage that an employer doesn't have to pay for. Six months out here, you walk away with a reference from myself or, or manager, Go Eco. Uh, Joe, 
how I got the job was pretty much uh, universal really I studied to be an engineer and to break the cycle really from what I come from I'm born and raised in Auckland in Otara and I've moved down 10 plus years ago uh, for my daughter uh, to move to Tiamatu to a Catholic school I, I don't know God whether it's the universe is pretty much I ended up in Frankton looking at a book I parked up I looked up and I saw a book in Goiko walked in and uh, pretty much um, wanted to buy the book but I had dealt with a situation that morning where I was filling up pataka stands and food cupboards with veggies and then I got asked from the local residents or who who, lo who looks after the pataka stands and stop filling them up because the ladies were taking the milks in the morning and veggies and everything and putting them on Facebook and selling so I had rubbish bags, literally rubbish bags, silver beets and spinach and stuff in the back, well in the boot like and then I saw the convolution sign and went, oh my god, you know, this can work so I spoke about it and they talk about volunteering and I said, so well I'm looking for a job at the moment so once I get a job I'll see how I could work around volunteering here because I quite like the aspect of giving and not expecting anything back give because you want to not for a catch mm. and that was a rare attribute that uh you know that we don't not all have and uh, pretty much uh, what I like to realize what I was the person that was showing me around kind of inducting me into go eco was the manager and she says hey there's a job running here would you like to apply whatever you know kind of thing yeah yeah I didn't take it too but I did think you know it's not electrical it's not engineering it's not probably 80 bucks an hour so I wasn't too interested um, but I was it was an opportunity to get a fresh reference to go on to the next job and uh, to be honest that's how I took this job it was a fresh reference to go into the next job I worked as um, with the council uh, from 17 to 20 I'm 30 now so back in the day so I had a little bit of experience but my main experience was with the River Trust and the tribe Tanui as the um, kaitiaki of the river restoration of the river uh, and our eels and stuff like that so I that the passion came from be, you know, being kind of kataki of your little area and understanding that you have to reach this is your role for the next generation until they're of age to take over and um, you got me in a way because I, I get asked what did you study to get to this job and I say nothing and a lot of this role council had a, an idea but they, there's no concept of the job a guideline or, or, or um, yeah, anything that I can follow mm. from the last guy because this job never been made. So you very naturally got into the role as a kaitiaki? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the role was actually coordinating volunteers. So I was bringing more volunteers into the, these areas and supporting these community groups. So you've got George down here who coordinates the community groups. You've been doing it for years. And then you've got guys and that have been manga iti different and these half of these plants have been planted via them over the last 30 years in their own home not the council 
you know, and, and trying to meet the the outcomes to the council as well, you know. Um, so the biggest one was council starting to realise that these this, these are their biggest assets, uh, these volunteers. Without them, a lot of this wouldn't be done. These plants wouldn't be in the ground. You know what I mean? They don't have the capacity to do what these guys do for free. So it's um, really my role is to support and try and keep keep up their, their, their management plan or, or whatever um, aspirations that they have, really. Um, keep their motivation high um, and, and, yeah, try and collate data and stories for these areas. Um, naturally, the job is just coming... So I'm sort of going with my heart. So I understand that, okay, we want more volunteers, but like I said, um, I use corrections as a guideline. So they wanted, um, PD wanted to come in, but I wanted to offer more than just come and do your hours. You know, I can offer a reference something. You know, I don't want to be working with, and this is me, I think I'm soft, and this is kind of a thing why my father says I'm not rich. Because he's, you know, you worry about the people too much. You know, I, but I don't want to be actually working with the same fellas for the next six years in this galley. Via corrections. And you talk to them and it's, it's, what are your barriers? It's a reference. They see it up here. Unreachable. And it's like, Jesus. I started last year, November. So I still kind of feel new. I interviewed volunteers. Well, I just spoke to them in the field here. And I asked them what, what brought you here today, especially ones my age, because if you notice, they're around about 50 to 80 our volunteers, and are starting to look at like, geez, we need to replace this eco warriors. You know, we need the next generation. So, how's like what brought you here? What drove you? So I could sort of use that as an asset to bring them in. You know, and and a lot of it was like myself was they were introduced as as children by their grandmother to the garden, their, their mother, father, you know, was something that was always around them. And they've taken a break and they've been their party guy and then they've settled a bit, they've come back to it. You know, and to realise that 90% it's been installed. You know, it's been introduced. So at the moment, focusing on uh, like Rotatuna, got them in the gully for the last three weeks and installing that into them. You know, the, the love, and if you look at the next generation, they're moving into climate change. So they actually care. Mangaonua Esplanade does look spectacular. It's hard to believe it's nestled in Kirikiriroa Hamilton right next to the highway. It resembles a beautiful prehistoric landscape. But it didn't always look like this, Hauauru told me. You had willows, you, it, it was quite covered, it was quite covered in honeysuckle. You've got bats here now. Um, so, so give it 15 years ago, there was, uh, you had, they had to go down to South Island, actually get toys, bring them here. There were none. In Hamilton itself. So that told you how bad our restoration or our eco, the, our fauna and our, and our flora, um, how, how bad it was, you know, for them to live here. And in the last 10 years, the restoration, and when it comes to restoration, you've got the weeding, you've got the trapping, 
you've got the you know the bat home going up without them monitoring and all that it wouldn't work because yeah, you, you weed but you're getting these weeds away and you're letting them decompose but as well as you're you're taking away homes for pests to to live in and as well as these trappers are taking away these pests and while they're taking away these pests they're helping now our native uh, wildlife so I'm um, kind of feel cheated when I say you know you kind of interview me as the restoration guy but without these guys and Anna doing her organization in the community and that we wouldn't be as you know I'm as strong as my collective as my team it yeah. is without these guys down here mm -hmm. uh, this is their time for free you know they're not getting paid um, and they come out here every week week in week out uh, and we try and understand that a lot of our older people, this is the social outing. Mm. So I've tried to work my my mahi around that aspect too. Mm. Um, being more holistic, being aware that people are more than people. So I've had one in, in the manga too where he, I just saw it. It wasn't very well mentally. And I've been there myself, you know, and I stood there and I talked to him and I said, hey, you right? You know, things will be right, things are face. Um, I spoke about myself and he felt a bit more comfortable to be himself. This is, and you've got to realise that some people come to actually heal themselves by mingling with the, the earth and being able to go, hey, you can have this area, you do yourself, you don't have to talk to anyone. So being able to mm. coordinate to each, and each individual instead of the, I don't want to say names, but instead of having this guideline, and this is how people are. What range of work do you guys do um, down here to support this massive ecosystem? Like if, if you see at the bank up here, this is covered in honeysuckle, which is like vines and... Uh, so majority of what's done is weeding, uh, monitoring, with, and, uh, which is, and trapping, and putting up the bad homes really. And management plans for each um, you know, breaking up the gullies into blocks. What I see that we mainly focus on at the moment is the bats at the moment and trying to get these numbers up as fast as possible because they're part of, they are, are crucial to the our ecosystem of the gullies, especially in regards to insects and they, they eat up to, what was it, 10,000 different species a night? You know, it's um, they're, they're quite crucial to, uh, I think, you know, um, like they say, it's a bit like, um, you know, the bats go, we end up with locusts everywhere and, you know, so they are a big role, um, as well as bringing awareness to a lot of people, even people that have been here for years, didn't realise that picker picker bats were native to the, these areas. Mm. And the restoration of each gully is important because they need to be, they don't, they can't fly very far. So each gully is a corridor to be able to go around Hamilton. And now we've able to realize that should be actually going as far as Morrinsville now. So we're gonna, we've got bat homes up there at the moment and we're trying to, you know, actually monitor how they're, how, how the, yeah, how they're flying, uh, the flight patterns, and how we could accommodate to, um, yeah, to to help 
their reproduction, really. The people you're working with are covering a huge range then. When we're talking about Kitty Kitty Doa right out to Morrinsville, there's there's gullies all over the place that they could be working on. Uh, that's right, that's right. Um, like myself, for the council, I don't go out of Kitty Kitty Doa yeah. for the council, but for Go Eco, we do. Um, as we have partners out there, Ngāti Hawa Mahi Trust is out there. Um, we have Jude Tyndall, she's doing a lot of restoration work at the, at the back of um, Morrinsville. Um, so a, a lot of it, because like our, our trappers, they, they, we've got Karen, she's out Cambridge, you know, um, at the moment I, I believe we're looking to expand quite quite far and it's just trying to meet that predator free 20 was it 2035 something yeah. like that yeah so at the moment we could make 200 traps in a day but at the same time that's not enough they're gone as fast as they're made so we can't and at the moment you know like a couple of thousand dollars that's given that doesn't get very many traps um so the, our biggest problem at the moment is funds for the traps getting enough traps to be able to do the work it's yeah there's volunteer opportunities open at Go Eco isn't there to actually make the traps that's right we have we have trapping um, workshops we so if you follow Go Eco's website or, or Facebook page uh, they will, once you push like and follow, it'll pop up each workshop that's running each day per, you know, each week. Uh, you can f jump on Hamilton Predator f uh, Free. Uh, Karen runs that page. And she will even, um, as you follow that, they will um, update you where the next, you know, Predator Free uh, trap making workshop is. And it's relatively easy to make a trap, isn't it? Once you know how. And yeah, yeah, step it's step just step uh, pretty much it's a, a rectangle and a, and a couple of um, sheets of metal, a mesh, really. The volunteer group on the day I visited Mangaonoa was made up largely of older Pākehā, but Hauauru said they nonetheless viewed the land as their whenua, inherently their responsibility, and he likes that. Like these guys here. This is the area, this is the, you know, this is the, it's not obligation, but, you know, when you, when you have a resident of an area, that's, that's kind of where, where your heart is, and you start, you become the kaitiaka of your little area, and for me, kaitiakitanga isn't about being Māori, it's about your love for the whenua, so... Um, I don't think you have to be a Māori to belong to the whenua, as well as at the end of the day, under the treaty and the constitution, things supposed to be 50-50, Pākehā Māori are the same, this is our whenua, and this is what I believe, and this is our role, is to look after this whenua for our next generations. Yeah, I will not crucify anyone, and especially no two-year-old, for Cook's doings. It's done. Popalio was already here. 
the everyone was already coming so it was inevitable and yeah no i will not as the weather closed in haoru and i had to retreat to his car to continue our conversation this time leaning more into his dark past which makes it even more significant that now he is providing such help to the community as he is they are our biggest asset and i kind of try and make them feel more i'm more disposable than them Mm. when they turn up you roll the red carpet out and you're like geez how are you like geez you know they're the ones that get paid not me Mm. like i really you know they're, they're they're special Mm. And that's kind of the feeling you want to give them to come back and and feel appreciated. And then, uh, you know, like usually what I should be doing, especially with Coevolution being there, is just bringing some bananas or something just to show some, you know, breaking bread together can really make a connection as family. And then they feel like, yeah, I can come more. And, you you, you know, it just keeps... Things Mm. have to be more family-orientated, I believe. Um, Absolutely. In the end, it is. It comes back to that idea of the collective and the people relating to the Fenua together. That's right. Um, as, as well as I, I think we've been Maori as well, and predominantly Pakeha on the ground. And the way I speak about this is our land, not my land, is sort of changed a lot too. Because like George Lusty, he speaks a lot, he's Pake, he speaks a lot of Māori's thing, you know, and now I call him Rangatira, because of the anakaitaki of this land, to the point that Ngāti Hawa Mahi Trust has put their trust in him to kind of curate anywhere that he wants to go. So it's kind of like when they say, hey, what, what can we do here? They kind of say, ring George, not us. So that that's a lot of empowerment that... He, he's got, and he's earned to me. He, he's been here long enough. He's put a, a, enough mileage on the ground. Um, and it's not about mileage either. It's about we just, this is our land. And irrespective if you come from Christchurch or wherever, it's your role to uphold any whenua um, until... Sorry, this is tikanga that I've based on myself. So wherever I go, whether it's my home, whether it's marae, whether it's someone else's marae, it's my role to show and uphold the whenua for, until my kids are of age to uphold it themselves. And that takes away resentment. Like, why me? Why me paying for this gas? Why isn't the cousin here doing mowing the lawn? Mm. You know, that takes away a lot of resentment because you start, oh, this is my role for my kids to show my kids to them it takes yeah tikong if you just kind of base it around there a lot of things would be quite okay less mm. emotional mm. and um, more yeah you evolve more mentally and because I because I was that person why just why that get kind of moaning and I had to find some sort of positive way to spin it to make me feel like geez and that was um, tikanga is kind of like a guideline of but it's not a strict there isn't a base of like uh, a code of tikanga so tikanga is kind of like morals and values that you've based around yourself you know um, and I kind of follow Tafio's way as well the the way my father raised me that Porto the first king 
Fritz and Gavin agree. Gray never came back. He passed away. Tafio invited Gray to his table and abolished that hara or grievances or any any anger towards each other. Then he decided he'll go with Greater England. He came back, he abolished slavery, and he he then said that every house and table in the Wakato is open to all cultures. So whether it's you, an Indian, an Iraqi, so welcome to my marae, welcome to my home, welcome to my table. And we go back that many years ago to Tafil. I don't think things would be the way it is now. I'm down here really, and I'm pretty much glad that I got an exemption to mm. be uh, not active anymore. Um, out of the 50 of us that I grew up with since I was 13, two years on the broom, I was patched 15. In mm -hmm. that time, I two years ago, I pretty much went, I says, I've done, you know, nearly I'm gonna be 30 in a couple of years, that'll be 15 years. And I'm Sergeant Arms, I haven't caught one shot. Um, I haven't caught one hit. The boys ring. I says, what's going on? Oh, there's a mobster across the road. And? I want to go hit him. Why? Oh, there's a mobster. So this is what's going to happen. You go across the road, which is your neighbour. You hit him. Who works for the community? The police. They turn up. They they put you in a paddy wagon. And now you used to in a paddy wagon. But because you're in a paddy wagon, you guys are now back to back because you're now going to jail together. If you can do it in there, why can't you go across the road now, introduce yourself, kill the neighbour, carry on. This is, you know, I feel like, geez, I'm not being, being very gangster anymore. And pretty much I got the exemption, like, hey, I'm 60. You're the only one that's out of all of us that's managed to keep your kids in your life. Keep a strong relationship with the partner, even if you're not with the mother and it was about the kids not about her you've managed to try and do your degree so I'm 70 hours being registered and then I'm two units away from the degree we know where your heart is we know where commitment is you know you, usually these days they get you to tattoo your face to show loyalty but you know they're like you've all you, you've managed to give up your family be here 24-7 but keep them in you know that's gangster mm. So I was like, but I need to try 15 years being a dad. Mm -hmm. So they were fair enough. And I was quite very lucky. And uh, to be honest, you know, and I look at it now because my own brother had enough with the mob and they've killed him last month. You know, and it's because you know too much. So you're really lucky in a way that you have been able to have this exemption and try a different life. I was going to go either either way, you know, but um, it's it's more, it just felt like my, I started feeling more obligated to people, that every kid I saw on the street, black, white, whatever, was now my nephews, nieces, rangatahi was my responsibility. You know, I started to feel obligated to everyone. So if I saw this man sitting there and he didn't know two plus two, what's two minutes of me going over there and saying, hey, if two and two is now one, three, four, what's two minutes to get this guy to the next level? Mm. And I started feeling that, like, geez, uh, you know, a lot of people would laugh and walk off.
Thanks to Haoru Masters Brown from GoEco for being the subject of this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can like the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.